0: Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rizak. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, listeners. I hope you're having a great festive holiday season. Before we get to our interview today, I wanted to give you some updates on Basecamp. We're finishing up Season 1 in the coming weeks. What that looks like is I anticipate doing the the final season episodes in January. After that, we'll take a short hiatus, probably around two months, to recharge and reset things before Season 2. I will continue to make announcements throughout the rest of Season 1, but I want to keep you in the loop by having you go to the website BaseCampForMen.com. You go to the newsletter sign-up sheet and put your name and email in there. I will never share your email or sell it to anybody. But that way I have your email and so when I send out an announcement starting Season 2 or any other announcements related to Basecamp, you'll be in the loop. And we're also running a best of Season 1. What that looks like is I would like to get your input and your vote on what has been your favorite show of Season 1. Uh, When you go to sign up for the newsletter in the comment section, just say, Hey, my favorite show was this, or my favorite two or three shows were these, and I will compile those over the holiday season. And then sometime in January, I'm going to run a best of season one and with the winner. So um, it has been just an awesome privilege and honor to speak with you and to uh, be with you in season one. I am so, so, so looking forward to season two and the conversations we'll have there. So thank you so much, listeners, and have a great holiday season. My guest today has taken a unique hero's journey. Rick Catronio is a lover of the divine spirit that enlivens all things. He has studied with beautiful Painted Arrow, Joseph Rael, and other indigenous teachers for more than 35 years. Rick has been involved in sacred dance since 1987 and has led the sun-moon dance at the House of Micah Peace Chamber for more than 20 years. And he is the author of Sun, Moon, Dancing, Medicine for Our Time. Here is my interview with Rick Catronio. Okay, I am here with Rick Catronio, author Rick Catronio. That has to sound pretty good, right, Rick? There you go. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) Accurate, yeah, yeah. And uh, welcome to the show. I love interviewing uh, men and women who've taken a really unique hero's journey and unique life path. And I loved your book Sun Moon Dancing medicine for our time. It was it's really well-written. It's got so much wisdom in it and um, The first question I guess is were you always a seeker or someone that was mystically inclined? Was that something that was that was showing itself when you were a young person? And when did you start to fall in love with this path that you took in life? Thank you,
1: Tony. Thank you first for inviting me to participate in this Uh, you've been doing wonderful work with these uh, podcasts I really appreciate the work that you're doing with men, especially. I'd like to start by asking for the presence of the spiritual light to be with us, to help guide us and to protect us. Uh, I'd like to thank our listeners uh, for being part of this. And this I hope that through this process together of you as the interviewer, me sharing my experience that people listening, that together we might lift each other just a little bit. So that, that I'd just like to say that to start. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> so how did I come upon this path? I, I guess I would say... I grew up uh, in a Roman Catholic church uh, as an Italian-American. I loved our parish priest. The thing that I remember most about him is that he smelled like frankincense. <laughs> and frankincense, it turns out, he is, is like copal, which is something that we burn in our ceremonies. Mm. Uh, in the sun, moon dance. So I think that there was something about that experience that I remembered because it was important for my future. Mm. Um, I loved music growing up. I really felt like music could be transformative. Movement could be transformative. I was very deeply influenced by the second wave of feminism. I was born in 1958, so I'm in my early 60s now. And in the 70s and 80s, women were really starting to talk about uh, life and what it means and politics and the idea that political was personal. Mm-hmm. So It's a really important concept for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually helped organize the first ever Men's Walk Against Rape and Violence in Boston. Mm-hmm. That was a really long time ago. But so there was a part of me that was always interested in spirituality, always interested in social change, mm-hmm. always interested in music. And You might say, like, if you look back on my upbringing, would you have pictured this person growing up to lead a ceremony uh, for peace and and global healing? And you might say no, but then if you actually looked at things that I was always interested in, like religion, uh, spirituality, social change, what I'm doing is actually completely consistent and could have been completely predicted uh, uh, in in how my life would unfold. I was very fortunate to have met beautiful painter. I was a fairly young man in my early 20s, mm-hmm. and after meeting him, I had assen- essentially initiated a series of very powerful dreams where I began to see myself in these ceremonies. I began to see myself leading these ceremonies, and I began to have experiences of myself beyond just this physical body. I began to understand myself as pure consciousness. And it was those experiences that really led me to pay attention to my work with Beautiful Painted Arrow and to pay attention to the idea of ceremony uh, as a, as a gateway for opening up my understanding of myself and who I am and how I fit into this
0: world. Got it. So, so the clues were kind of there all along with Catholicism and, and stuff you were, you were kind of, leaning in and gathering clues that would later be your path. Is that right? Absolutely. I think that if we pay attention in
1: any given moment that we can see those clues, if we're open, an important concept for us uh, is this notion of becoming the hollow bone in life. We want to become like a hollow bone or like a flute Mm -hmm. where life's inspiration can flow through us. Mm -hmm. And when you pay attention and you're, you're uh, functioning as a, as an open vessel, then your life path becomes very clear, very easily. So I, I would say yes, uh, if you look closely, if you, if you listen. And th- I think that's an important point for all of us is that the, the closer we can listen, the, the more we can uh, tune with our hearts uh, that our life's destiny will unfold very beautifully and
0: naturally. That's great. That's great. Well said. You, you had mentioned that you had mentored with a uh, beautiful painted arrow. Is he still alive? He is actually. And he's a Uh, Pueblo Southern Ute visionary, correct? Joseph
1: was traditionally trained as a medicine person. Uh, He grew up with his father's people, which were uh, the Picaris Pueblo, and his mother's people, the Southern Ute. These are all folks that uh, live in the Southwest. Joseph was a beautiful teacher. He taught really through example. He is among the most loving and humble people I'd ever met. Mm -hmm. And from him, I learned about the importance of living with an open heart, Mm-hmm. And really the importance of living from a state of inspiration. Joseph taught us that we do not exist the way we think we exist. We tend to live through the ego and through the mind. Uh, and he taught us to open up to the possibility of the vast self, open up to the possibility of the state of no mind. And I think about it like this. Uh, we often, if you were to think about the ocean and a drop of water, mm-hmm. Right we often think of ourselves as a drop of water. That would be like the ego, right? Mm-hmm. So here we are, we're a drop of water. We think of ourselves as the ego. But the reality is that maybe that drop of water is just one drop in a stream mm-hmm. that's flowing from the highest peaks down uh, down into the ocean. So we think we're in control of things. We think, you know, we have, uh, we make decisions. But in fact, we might just be, that drop of water that's uh flowing down along carried
0: by this by the by the river to the ocean that's great that's great um you had mentioned in your in your mentorship with beautiful painted arrow that you became a keeper of the sun moon dance which sounds just awesome it's it it's two or three days of ritual you create ritual space Um, I'm just curious as to get a description of what the sun moon dance is and what does this ceremony teach its participants or what kind of medicine does it hold for its participants?
1: Great question. So the premise of the book that I wrote is that this ceremony is actually medicine for our time and that's in the title, right? Yep. So we tend to think in our society that we're quite advanced, right? Here you go. I could pick up my phone and magically something that I want will appear on my doorstep the next day. Like, that's pretty cool, right? That sounds pretty magical. That sounds like we're a pretty advanced uh, civilization. But I think the reality is that we have sunk very deeply into materialism. Mm -hmm. And with that comes isolation, alienation from nature, objectification of everything around us. Like One of the things that feminism teaches us is that we have this inclination to objectify. Um, And when we objectify life and partners and, and, and reality, um, it, it's not a very healthy place to live. It, it, you know, we'll, so we'll, what do we see among men? We see, we see high rates of substance use, sex addiction, mm-hmm. uh, high rates of mental illness, right? So we're alienated from ourselves. So the premise of this book is that our current civilization, our current society, the way we do things, mm-hmm. um, has sunk us deeply into materialism, which alienates us from our true nature. And that's not a healthy way to live. So this, this ceremony is actually four days. It starts on a Friday evening. It ends on a Monday morning. And during that time, we are fasting without food or water. Mm-hmm. There is a tree at the center of the area where we're dancing. We're dancing back and forth to the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most basic element of this is that for four days, we're not talking and we're not engaging with others. We are on our own individual journey. And and here I think is one of the most important things that I could say to any any man any person mm-hmm. is that the time that we spend inhabiting the the space between our ears mm-hmm. without judgment <clears throat> simply being present uh diving deeply into who I am what is it that's happening up in those regions of my brain and in my heart and throughout my body um that level of attention we don't often give ourselves. And in this ceremony, we have four days to pay attention to what's happening inside of us. And and also I think and a critical point of this is that while it is an individual journey, it's done in community. Mm-hmm. So uh, the ceremony is something that we do in community, in nature. So mm-hmm. the ground is beneath us, the earth is present, the sky is above us, and uh, we listen to the sounds of nature because they just happen. So this is medicine for our time because it helps us to connect deeply with the earth, with the sky, with ourselves, with community. And, um, and in being present with ourselves, we have the capacity to move beyond our judgments, our fears, to understand that there's something within us that is indestructible, mm-hmm. um, something within us that, that, um, it simply won't be extinguished, that all the experiences we have in life, we really have no need to fear them because, in fact, we are these amazing immortal beings. We are always and everywhere. And and these little things that our ego gets attached to in the big
0: picture really matter very little. That's great. I'm You had mentioned isolation and men in, in particular. And one of the kind of the undertones of my show and and the reason for creating Basecamp for men for me was to expose more men to the conversations that happen inside of men's groups. I wanted men to feel like, oh, this is what men really feel. This is what they talk about. This is how I grow my emotional intelligence. This is how I feel included in a in a larger conversation about what's happening with men. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, if you could kind of wave your, mag- your magic wand and give men a direction you know like a wake-up call for the next you know 25 years like what what would be something you would like to see in the next generation of men that we can help plant the seeds for now knowing that it'll grow as we have these conversations as we set our intentions and build ritual space um, what is your sort of deeper wish for the men specifically
1: well, this is a really good question for me. I I am a parent, and I have a son who's thirty-one. So this is actually something that I have pondered. Um, what What are my wishes for the next generation of men? What are my wishes for for this generation of men? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it comes back to it is so important to be comfortable with oneself. Mm. And and if there's one gift that this ceremony gives, it's that four days of being undistracted by television, movies, phone calls, mm-hmm. yourself, anything else. It's simply about being with yourself. And I would just say that that making a commitment, a regular commitment to be with yourself, mm-hmm. uh for some period of time longer than three minutes. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> you know, maybe it's maybe it's an hour, maybe mm-hmm. it's a half hour, you know, but on a regular basis to just spend time with yourself you're ultimately in life your best friend is yourself Mm -hmm. right so it is important to be comfortable with that landscape to um to be willing to face all of the different complicated feelings that we have Mm -hmm. to be with them and again with this idea of knowing that nothing in there can destroy me that i am bigger than it all Mm -hmm. that i can um I I can witness this and and powerfully still love myself. And I, I think that being with ourselves is the first step in loving ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we're not with ourselves, how can we love ourselves?
0: Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. You you also wrote, um, I wanted to mention you also wrote, quote, the Western mind will say that is nice that is a nice myth or legend, and then dismiss it. The terms myths and legends have served to Trivialize very high states of philosophical and cosmological thinking. Unquote. Uh, what do you see about that, or what? Did, what were your insights around that? So, so we grow up in Western
1: civilization, and our minds have been trained, mm-hmm. and that training shapes how we see the world. I'm not just talking about like the training that says you have to work hard and you go into debt and get yeah. stuff and then be a 20th century indentured servant. That that's not the training I'm thinking about. Yeah, I'm I'm very basically we have been trained to think cause and effect is the nature of the universe, that there's this one direction that time flows uh, from past to future, that our our job in life is to name and categorize things and separate them uh, out of this unified field. It's the domination of the rational mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are so much more than that. And we know now through science and, and just intuition that we actually use a very small percentage of our mind. Mm-hmm. Joseph liked to say that Life is experience alongside metaphor. Mm -hmm. So when you think about myth, mythology, and dream, this takes us beyond the rational mind into the intuitive mind, Mm -hmm. into a fuller experience of ourselves as multidimensional beings. We are not simple human beings just born one day and die the next. I I believe that we are complex, multidimensional beings um, and that, the greater we can actively open to our nonlinear, intuitive nature, the sooner we're going to understand life as a unified field, which is what physics is saying now. Like like we think we like to separate out objects and call this, this, and this. But what physics is showing us is that we actually live in this unified field and it's consciousness. And so the more we stay stuck in the rational mind and the more we trivialize, sort of this notion of dream and myth and legend, the more we get stuck into this path of materialism. So by entering, by honoring myth and legend and dream and intuition, I think we're opening ourselves to a richer experience of who we are and opening ourselves to this potential experience of, I am part of this unified field of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I am actually this being that is vast and always exists and is indestructible and will always be. And and that is that's my that's my passion is, is to is to find ways to convey to people to just give us an intuitive flash that, mm-hmm. hey, you know, before this body was born, I was actually present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After this body that I have been inhabiting, after it returns to the earth, still, I am present. Mm-hmm. And and to understand ourselves as this unified. Field of consciousness of which we're an integral part, and and this whole Western civilization materialism is is uh, is is what has separated ourselves from that essential knowing of ourselves as as part of this entire cosmos. And you think about Native American spirituality, right? You think about the circle and Earth and the sky, and people understood this. Indigenous people understood that we are part of all, and all is a part of us. And so that's why I think. Um, you know, earth-centered understanding, uh, uh, respect for the dream state, respect for the notion of
0: myth and legend is so important because it opens us up to the intuitive. Well, it's interesting because I, I started, you know, my conditioning around myth and legend was that it was trivial, right? It was like, oh, that's a nice little Greek myth. Or, you know, when I was younger, that's how I thought about it. It wasn't until I came into touch with Joseph Campbell. That I started to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on here? This there seems to be these meta, you know, these tales that have been told over and over, and there's all this information that's inside. Now I've come full circle to, you know, sort of, you know, have this reverence for myth and legends because I realize how much has gone into them, how much how many lives have been touched, how many metaphors and layers there are to each one. Uh, And I remember reading, I don't know if it was Joseph Campbell that said this, but somebody said the greatest thing you can do for your children is to read them fairy tales, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which you think, you think, how could that be so important? But the way that you're talking about myth and legend, you you start to realize, oh, it is really important to expose them to that because the magic of those myths will start to work in their imagination. I would love to participate in the sun moon dance. I know your wife, Lisa has given me an invite, um, on a number of occasions. I would love to get my wife out there because she is mystically oriented as well, whether she cops to it or not. Um, and I think now that I know, I mean, four days in silence and being in that ritual space, it sounds super powerful. Um, How, how would I or someone else go about finding out more or participating in the dance? Do you do them at the equinox? Is there, is there like a, a time of year that's, that's optimal that you do them? You always do them the same. Uh, and is it once or twice a year? What's, what's the calendar on the sun moon dance? great thanks so um first if you wanted
1: to learn more about the sun moon dance a, a shameless plug um, you could read the book sun moon dancing medicine for our time so that would be uh, one step you could take um the sun moon Dance is, is always done in the summertime it's a summertime ceremony mm-hmm. um anyone interested in, in dancing uh is welcome to check in with us on our website which is house of MICA uh, mm-hmm. dot org, and there's information there. Um, there are lots of ways to participate in a sun moon dance. Like, not everybody may necessarily is ready to say, "Yeah, I want to uh, dance fast for uh, four days without food or water." But um, mm-hmm. it is uh, really helpful to have folks who come and are supportive. You have to remain for the whole time because it is a community building thing. Yeah. Um, and and so there are ways to learn more about this path. For the most part, you know, we encourage people to come, say, to a sweat lodge or to a fire ceremony or some other ceremony, mm-hmm. to uh, to be on the land, to experience the community. There are dances that happen around the world. So wherever you happen to be, if you're interested in, in finding a dance near you, you could reach out to us and we could uh, direct you to uh, that place. Um, so I think the main thing is that because... Being a Sun Moon dancer is something that is a calling from your soul. Mm-hmm. You might recognize it, you might not recognize it. You just sort of wind up in a in a place at a time and 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 there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Joseph taught us that we should receive everyone who comes forward. Everyone who expresses interest in dancing should be received respectfully and lovingly. and that that is something that's really important to me. Some people come to dance because they want to you know they want to experience healing. Some people dance because they want to connect with the earth. Some people want to pray and serve. And, you know, some people don't really know why they feel called. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, we are here to receive everyone who, who feels called to, to take part in the ceremony. We, we see it as a universal ceremony that's been gifted by our Native American teacher to all the people. So this is not a, a traditional Native American dance. There's mm-hmm. certain pr- criteria S- to know, like that would be... Uh, within a Native community, with Native language and you know other other characters. This is a ceremony that was given to us for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, it grew out of the experience of a Native American person, but it is not a Native American dance. And as I said, it, it, there's dances taking place all over the world. Croatia, there have been dances in Croatia, South Africa, Australia, uh, throughout Europe. So uh, if you're interested, we can help connect you to places
0: where there are dances. That's great. The the book is Sun, Moon, Dancing, Medicine for Our Time. Rick, you're a really good writer. I really enjoyed reading excerpts before I got the book. And that's what really drew me in. I I was reading an email from your newsletter of House of Micah, and I was really struck with the quality of the writing. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for this book to come out. It's such a good book. Where do listeners go and pick up a copy of it?
1: Surprisingly, Amazon.com.
0: Yes. (laughs) A little yeah. known company out of Seattle uh, what is it? Amazon,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, got it. Well, listen, Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your care uh, in your life's path, for all the important work you've done with the Sun Moon Dance and the communities you've built, and for doing your work and just being an important voice for men. I just, I so appreciate you and what you've done. And thanks for coming on and sharing that with us today.
1: You're welcome. And thank you to everyone listening. And I honor each of the things that you all are doing to to heal yourself and to help others and to uh, be a good partner and to be a good father, Uh, uncle, brother, um, blessings to each of you. And thank you for what you are and what you do. Thanks
0: so much, Rick, for that blessing. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Rick. I loved what he said about the value of being with yourself. And this is something that us men struggle with. We work hard, and we often have many demands on our time and attention, and we often don't get a chance to spend an hour alone, let alone a few days, where we can recharge, get to know ourselves, get to know our hearts better. Solitude has become a foreign concept for many men, and I'm like you. I can feel myself reaching for distractions rather than sitting at peace with myself or getting out into nature. Our ability to be with just ourselves or to be out in nature with ourselves may end up being one of the most important skills for us to develop as men moving forward. See how this notion works for you. Give it a try, and we'll see you next week. That's our show for today. Men, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men.